This morning in our scripture, I want you to start at Psalm 100. We're going to look at several passages in the Psalms, but we're going to spend most of our, well, the beginning of our time anyway, in Psalm 100. I've preached from this passage before, I think a couple of years ago, and so I'm just going to use it as an introduction more to the message today. I entitled the message, The Why and How of Praising God. I think I should have entitled it, I Will Praise Him, because that's really what it is all about. But we're going to start in Psalm 100. We're going to read the entire psalm together. And so if you'll follow along as I read, Psalm 100, this is a praise to God, a praise of, a psalm of praise to God. And it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations." Let's take a minute and pray, and then we'll get into our message this morning. Our Father, again, we just come to you with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts and our lips. We've sung your praises already, and we will continue to do that. But Lord, help us to be truly thankful and to praise you in our heart and to come before you with singing, not just in our lips, but in our heart. And so, Father, as we look at your word now, as we look at this exhortation to praise you in our lives and through everything that we do, May your spirit convict us and teach us and change us internally so that we will live and act and in a spirit of praise and honor and wonder of you. And Lord, just do your work now, and I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Give me strength. Give me the words to say. May your wisdom be spoken in, in power. May your word go out in boldness, and may we all be challenged by it. And we thank you for your love in this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was praying and seeking God about what to share with you today as we focus on thanksgiving and praise, um, we remember that thanksgiving is not the only time that we should be thanking God, that we should be praising God. That should be really at the center of a believer's life. Because of what he's done for us, obviously in salvation and taking care of us, all the blessings that we have, but because he is our God, okay? And and we, I think, don't forget that, but we don't live that all the time, okay? He said he is our God. We are his people. It re- repeats that here in Psalm 100. But do we live that way? And I think if that thought was in our minds, if we really held on to that as the substance of why we live and how we live, our lives would be different, that he is our God, okay? But here we have Psalm 100, and basically it's the psalmist is saying, because he is our God, he says, therefore make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Now, this is a call for the whole earth, that the phrase all ye lands could be uh, differently interpreted or, or similarly interpreted, all the earth. So it's talking about all the earth, all of creation, and it's a prophetic, a messianic prophecy, really, of what it's going to be like in the millennial kingdom when Christ physically sits on the throne and rules over the world, and all nations will bow before him. And I don't doubt 
that this psalm will be sung and prayed and used to praise God physically in his presence. But for now, it's an invitation for us to praise God. And so we, we probably are familiar with this psalm, but the problem with familiarity is that we don't think about what we're saying a lot of times. And so we're here invited and commanded, in a sense, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That phrase, the joyful noise, means a loud shout. So for those of you who like to sit in the background and just not sing because you might scare people away, okay, it says, praise the Lord with a loud shout. Now, noise doesn't mean, here's the alternative for people who can't sing, all right? It doesn't mean just make a noise. It means praise the Lord loudly. Because those things that we are most glad about are the things that we will talk about the most, and the more excited we are, the louder we get. And so there shouldn't be anything in our lives that we talk about more excitedly and more loudly than the God that we serve and that saved us. And therefore, he deserves our praise. But the psalmist goes on and says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, obviously, as believers and as his people were to serve him. But it says, serve the Lord with gladness, not out of duty. And there's a joy that should be in our hearts all the time because our, our lives are our service and worship to God, not just what we do on Sunday or what we just do for other people. Our lives are our service for God. You know, there's a, a, a Christian speaker. His name is Ken Davis, and he says, too many Christians walk around like they just swallowed a, a profusely sweating toad. Okay, that's what they look like. He says, if you're really glad about serving God, if you're really happy that God is your God, you need to send missionaries to your face because the message never got there. Okay? But the psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We should be happy. Every day. There's nothing that we need to be disappointed or sad about because we have the Lord as our God. Now it's an opportunity, a privilege to serve him. We should be glad about that. The psalmist goes on and it reminds us that God is the one who made us. We belong to him. And there's not just peace in that, but there's a comfort in that, that we belong to him. He made us and so he's going to care for us. He is... Our good shepherd, he goes on, he says, it's he that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, which means he is our shepherd. And that brings to mind Psalm 23, which probably most of us are familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or want. Okay, and we know the rest of that psalm. He leadeth me beside the still waters, all of that. There's blessings there because he is our shepherd. But there are there's also a comfort that he will chastise us when we need it. Now, we may not necessarily want that or look forward to that, but as a child of God, it's necessary. And so it's a comfort, and there's a blessing in the fact that as his shepherd, as our shepherd, he will use his rod to chastise us sometimes. But he is our shepherd. We are his sheep. Verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So there's that repetition of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord again. And the picture in verse 4 is a picture of Israel as they were marching together. They're called to worship at the tabernacle, and they're all coming by tribe, coming in, in ranks, really, to the tabernacle. And as they're walking to the tabernacle, 
They literally are singing the psalms and lifting their hands to the Lord in praise. And that's the picture that we have in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, how do you enter into the presence of God? All right. Most of us, and I remember when I had more kids at home, Sunday morning was like the most unsanctified time in a family's life because it's, you know, get out of the bathroom, quick, get in the car, we need to go to church now because we're going to learn about Jesus. And, and then you get here and, oh, hello, everybody, right? Okay, but that's not how God says we are to come into his presence. We don't turn it on when you get here and turn it off when you're outside. We're in his presence all the time. Okay, so he says, Come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. That should be the character of our lives all the time, especially when we come together to worship him like this. And in verse 5, it says, here's the reason, for the Lord is good. Now, you can't argue against that. God is good. We sing the song, you are always good. Romans 8.28 reminds us that God works everything for our good. Okay, so God is good. That's why we need to praise him, because even the things that we see as hard and bad, God has a good purpose in them, and he's making something in us, building us more in the likeness of Christ, teaching us lessons through those situations, but it's all because he's good. And so even in the hard times, we praise him and we thank him. He said in verse 5, finishes, the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Now, uh, that's something to be thankful for, okay, because it's not just his mercy in saving us, and and I'm going to take the poll this morning. Here's my Sunday poll, okay? After you were saved, how many of you never sinned again? Okay, yeah, we're all guilty, and so we continue to need his mercy and thank the Lord that it's everlasting. It never ends, all right? He doesn't get to the end of his rope like we do. You know, he doesn't get fed up and say, okay, that person's just stepped on my last nerve. I'm done with them. His mercy is everlasting. And then it says his truth endures to all generations. And thank the Lord that his truth is forever. It doesn't change. What God said will stand forever. And so we can count on his truth to be the standard, the absolute, the foundation that we need in our lives. And so the psalmist here in Psalm 100 gives us these reasons to praise God. And he says, therefore, we should be shouting, literally, with a loud voice, the praise of God. Let other people know. Now, this is just a sample. You know, this is the the psalm we know. And so I thought I'd take just a few minutes this morning And I want to share a few other passages from the psalms to give us some wise and some hows of how we praise the Lord together, or in our individually, in our lives, okay? And so as Ecclesiastes tells us, there's a time for everything. We're studying that in Bible study. And in Psalm 4.4, it says, Stand in awe and sin not, commune with, your, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So there is a time for us to be silent before the Lord. We can still praise Him in our hearts, but sometimes God wants us to step back, to stop, and just ponder on what he's done. Meditate on his truth. 
and to stand in awe before the God that we serve. But there's other times like Psalm 100 where we are to shout it from the top of the rooftops and with all of the strength that we have. So there's a time for everything. And then there's also times, as Psalm 25 tells us, when we should sit and pay attention and learn from the Lord as he teaches us. Now, he teaches us primarily from his word, but he also teaches us through the circumstances of our life. And so it's not just standing back in awe. Sometimes we need to pay attention. And so it's interesting, as we gather together, we get to do all three in church, don't we? There's a time for loud singing and praising God. There's a time for just standing in silence as we go before him in prayer. And there's a time for paying attention and learning. And so today is a time for us to praise God as we learn, as we sing, as we pray, as we stand in awe before him. But let me share a few psalms with you about the whys and the hows of praising the Lord. We'll start at Psalm 7. And this is just going to be a sampling of the psalms. I could have taken a whole bunch of different psalms. The psalms basically are all about praising God through many different types of circumstances. But what I did was I looked for the psalms that have the specific phrase, I will praise him, or I will praise God. And so we're going to focus there. And so here is our I will praise him lesson for this week. Psalm 7, verse 17 says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and we'll sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. What's the why? Why should we praise him in that psalm? It says, for his righteousness. Now, I'm glad that God is righteous because none of us can claim that. All right? God is the one who is just and holy in everything he does. And whether he brings blessing upon those who don't deserve it, or whether he brings judgment upon those who do deserve it, God is just and right. This morning, Brandon shared with us in Sunday school, Psalm 45, 6, and 7, and it talked about the Lord loving righteousness. And he does. That's the character that he treats us in and is in his righteousness. And it's because of Jesus' righteousness that we are saved in the first place, that we can come to God in prayer. We have no standing before God apart from Christ's righteousness. And so the psalmist says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. How often have you just sat and praised God and thanked him because he's a righteous God? That you didn't get what you deserved. His mercy is everlasting. But that he will judge sin even in your life when it need be. And aren't you glad God is righteous? Because... If we were the ones in charge of the world, half the people would be dead by now, right? If other people were in charge of the world, half of us would be dead by now. But God is the righteous judge, and he's the one that's in charge, and therefore he shows that mercy and righteousness to all of us, whether we deserve it or not. And so the why is because God is righteous And then he says, how? He says, I will sing praise to his name. It's it's God's righteousness here in this psalm that tells us this is what we should sing. Now, we sing about the righteousness of God. We have several hymns in our hymn book that mention God's righteousness. One of the new hymns, His Robes for Mine, talk about how we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But we should sing, the psalmist says, in praise of God because of his righteousness. 
So there's one. We, we praise God for his righteousness, and we sing to the name of the Lord. Psalm 9, if you turn over just to Psalm, Psalm 9, verse 1, starts this way, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. The why? Why should we praise God? Because of his marvelous works. Have you ever really, again, stopped, and as you're praying, just think about the marvelous works of God? And I'm not talking about the Lord's Prayer, Lord, meet our daily needs. I'm talking about his marvelous works, those things that are mind-blowing. Okay? Now, the psalmist goes on in Psalm 9, he lists a whole bunch of things that he's talking about when he talks about God's marvelous works. The sampling is in verse 5, God has rebuked the heathen and destroyed the wicked. Verse 8, he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Verse 9, he's a refuge for the oppressed. Verse 10, he does not forsake those that seek him. Verse 12, he forgets not the cry of the humble. Verse 13, he will not let the hope of the poor and afflicted perish. And that's just some of the things that he mentions in this psalm. And so there's judgment, there's justice, there's mercy, there's blessing. Those are the marvelous works of God. It's not the miracles, although each one of those things is a miracle. Because it is our all-powerful God and all-righteous and all-knowing God who executes these things. And so everything he does is a marvelous work. But it's marvelous that he can do this in a world that we live in today. It's marvelous that he could still be in control when we look around and see the chaos that seemingly just pervades in everything. But we praise him because of his marvelous works. And these promises here in in Psalm 9 are for us, too. God will be a refuge for us. God will not forsake us if we seek him. God will not forget the cry if we come to him in humility. And God will not let our hope perish. Those are promises for us. Those are marvelous works. And so how should we praise him because of those things? He says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, we already talked about our voices. What about your heart? Do you really praise God with your whole heart? Psalm 100 is make a joyful noise. Shout to the Lord. That's your whole voice. Do we praise him with our whole heart? Now, the heart was the inner being of man as defined by the Hebrews. That was the person inside, the central part of that person. And so the psalmist is saying, I will praise thee with my being everything that I am. Psalm 100 talks, or 119, I'm sorry. Psalm 119 contains several references to seeking the Lord with our whole heart. And David, as he wrote that, says many times over and over, I will seek thy precepts. I want to know thy, thy judgments. I want to understand your word. I'm seeking you with my whole heart. But how do we praise the Lord that way? And if we put our whole heart into something, then we do it with exuberance and energy and motivation and excitement. And that's how we should praise God, not just come and go, okay, we got to sing the hymns again today. We got through that, all right. That's not, that's half-hearted or no-hearted. But God says we should praise him with our whole heart, everything that we are. Going on, Psalm 52, verse 9. This is a special one for me. I'll share that with you in just a moment. But the psalmist says in Psalm 52, 9, I will praise thee forever. 
because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. Now the why here, why should we praise God according to Psalm 52, 9? He says, because thou hast done it. Done what? Well, if you read back, the previous verse says, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever. So specifically in the context of the psalm, God is establishing the author here in safety and in peace, even as as his enemies prowl about him. Okay? So he says, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And yet, the second part says, I will wait on thy name for it is good before his saints. So he's praising God. The why is because God will do it or has done it. Done what? I think the principle could apply to anything that we need from the Lord. He's done it. Jesus said in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, what? I will do it. Right? So he's done it. There's an interesting phenomenon about Hebrew. When the Hebrews talked or wrote prophecy as God gave them this prophecy, not just this verse, but all prophecy in the Old Testament, they wrote it in a, it's hard to describe the tense, but it's a perfect completed tense. In other words, they wrote it in prophetic language, which means it was going to happen in the future, but they wrote it in a tense as if it had already been accomplished. And that's how sure that God's promises are, as if they've already been accomplished. And that's what the psalmist says, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it, even though it hadn't all been done yet. See, it's an absolute faith in God and his promises. And he says, I'm going to praise you because I know you're going to do it. So there's no doubts here. Now, this is a very special verse to me. I shared that. Let me share share with you why. God used this verse in a special way in my life because many of you or some of you may know that I pursued my wife for four years without any success. Okay, she wasn't interested and made that very clear. She changed her mind, obviously. Okay, but after four years of pursuing her, I've, I, I just kind of settled in my heart, okay, this is not going to happen, this is not what God wants for me, and so I'm just going to put her out of my mind and out of my life. And so I did everything I could to avoid her and not think about her. To make a long story short, God used a car accident that she was in to bring us back into contact, I think against both of our wills. Okay, I didn't want to start, you know, those feelings up and then fight that. She really wasn't still interested in seeing me. But God brought us together in that way. And God put me in a circumstance where he asked me to be a friend to her without any other expectations and to help her in ways other than being motivated in trying to date her and eventually looking to marry her. And I struggled with that because I had greater aspirations there. But God said, I want you to accept this, and that's all. Let this be enough. And I remember literally one day spending several hours in prayer, arguing with God and struggling with this issue. And finally, I said, okay, Lord, I give up. I surrender to whatever you want. And so whatever you decide to do in this situation, I'll do what you want me to do, regardless of what the outcome is. So that night, I went home, (coughs) excuse me, 
And I was reading in Psalm 52, it was my regular Bible reading, I didn't pick this chapter out, but I got to verse 9 and it says, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And that was my answer. God hadn't done it yet, but I knew he would. And so God used that verse to answer a prayer of mine of, what, six months? I think it was six months before we actually had our first official date. But I knew God was going to do it. And the rest is history. Now we've been married for almost 32 years. And God did what he promised. But the psalmist says, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. God promised things to us. He will answer our prayers. We just need to trust him. And in trusting him, we praise him and we can thank him even for the things he hasn't done yet because we know he will keep his promises. And how does the psalmist praise him? He says, I will wait on thy name. So as we praise him, even for the things that haven't happened, it's waiting on him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. And so we praise him, waiting on him in patience, not just for the things he's done, but for the things that he will do. So that psalm was very special to me. I think it's a great psalm for us to really get a hold of, that verse, because it talks about praising God for what he's promised, but we haven't seen the promises yet. Psalm 118, verse 21, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The why of that psalm in Psalm 118, because he is our salvation. Now, obviously, there's no one else that we can trust for our salvation to cleanse us from sin, to guarantee us eternal life. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And so the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is something that we should be continuously thankful for. Because we wouldn't be here in this church. We probably, some of us, may not be alive on this earth still if God hadn't saved us spiritually and physically in some cases. But the psalmist says, I will praise thee because you are my salvation. How often do we just thank the Lord because he saved us? That's enough, right? I mean, if we are saved, if he keeps us from eternal death and then the rest of our lives is just a struggle and just hardship, is it still worth it? Yeah, because what matters is what comes after this life. And again, we're looking forward to the real blessing of salvation, the fullness of the blessing of salvation. And so we praise him for that salvation. Now, how how does he praise him? It just says here, I will praise him. But the word praise in Hebrew has the idea of throwing something out with the hands. Okay? I throw out this praise to you. And when it comes to praising God, I already mentioned Israel would regularly practice lifting their hands to God. Now, in this posture, I want you to recognize something. Number one, this is a posture of surrender. Okay, God, whatever you have for me. Number two, I'm not holding on to anything, which means God is all I need. Number three, now my hands are empty and ready to receive whatever God has for me. And so that's the substance of praise. It's not praise with expectation of things that we want. It's praise and surrender, ready to receive whatever God has for us. And that's how the psalmist praises God 
for his salvation. I can bring nothing to you, Lord, and I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me. That's the attitude of praise here in this psalm. Going on, Psalm 118, verse 28. The psalmist says, Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Now, the why is repeated twice. He says, Thou art my God. The key word there, people would probably go, Oh, the key word is God. No, I think the key word is my. He is a personal God. He's not just a supreme being that exists up in heaven and kind of generally oversees all of the things that happen on earth. He is a very personal God. He cares about you specifically. And I heard a pastor say he cares so much, remember, that Jesus said he knows the number of hairs that are on our head. For some of us, that's a little bit easier for him to keep track of. But he cares about every single aspect of your life. It's a personal God. And God is never too busy with other people to forget about you. And so he says, I praise you because you're my God. And he says, how will I praise him? I will exalt him. He says, I praise him and I exalt him. To exalt means to lift or raise up, to promote in reverence, respect, or priority. So the question is, how important is God to you? Because he makes you the most important priority of his attention. Each one of us are his most important priority. And so do we make him our most important priority in return. That's how we exalt him. That's how we lift up his name. He is our God. He is our first priority because we are his first priority. Going on in Psalm 119, verse 7, it says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. The why here? David says, when I've learned thy righteous judgments. God's word. His truth. Do we praise God for his word? Or do we open it on Sunday and put it on a shelf until we get ready to leave the next Sunday? How important is his word to us? Is it important enough for we, that we praise him for it? So the psalmist here in Psalm 119 said, I love thy law. I praise you because of your judgments, because of your truth. Now, God didn't have to give us anything. God didn't have to tell us anything. He could have made us and put us on this earth and just let us figure it out, looking at creation and said, oh, there must be something up there. But he didn't want us just to question who he was. He wanted us to know. So that's why we have this book. He's revealed everything about him that we need to know so that we can honor and worship him the way he wants us to. So the psalmist says, I will praise thee because I've learned of thy righteous judgments. I've learned of thy word. And he says, how? With uprightness of heart. That means if we're going to praise him for giving his truth, we need to praise him in obeying it. If it's that important that we praise him for it, we should pay attention to what's in here. I'm not saying you have to memorize the whole Bible. But God gave us the whole Bible for a reason. All Scripture, Timothy or Paul tells us in Second Timothy, all Scripture is given to us by God 
and is profitable for us in our lives. And if we praise him for his word, then we should pay attention to what we're praising him for. God gave it to us for a reason. It's not just for us to know. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that knowledge puffeth up. I know a lot of people who can quote Scripture, who know a lot more Scripture than me, but they don't care what it says as far as doing it. That's why James says, don't be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And here the psalmist says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. In other words, it's not just my actions, it's my heart that's focused on your word, that's molded by your word, that's guided by your word. Your word is a light into my path. And he says, I will praise you that way through obedience of your truth. Psalm 139, this is a passage you may all be familiar with. Verse 14, again, the psalmist says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Why should we praise God in that psalm? Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The fearful part of that is that we are put in awe when we realize and start to understand the ultimate and intimate complexity of the body that God gave you. It's not just a body. It's an amazing body. But then within that body, we have a spirit and a soul that makes up the whole person. But just the body itself, if we look at the complexity and the intimacy of the body and the functions and how it works We should stand in awe before God and say, how in the world could he figure that out? That should be the fearful part. And the interesting thing is, even though all of us and all of our bodies work the same, every single one of us, all the billions of people that have ever existed, every single one is different. What an amazing God. So as we contemplate human creation, we should stand in wonder of this amazing God. Let me give you a couple other facts about your body. When you were in your mother's womb at about six months, as your eyes were developing and you received sight for the first time as the nerves met each other, that was a miracle in and of itself. In fact, science has told us that the eye is probably the most most complex machine that they could ever, 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 that they've ever seen. Okay? But as you were developing in your mother's womb about six months, your eyes have sight, but they're covered with a piece of skin, both of them. And then out of nowhere, a little cutting device comes and cuts across that skin, and for the first time, you have eyelids. How does that happen? God did it. Your body is made up of millions of different types of cells. All of them do a different function, but think about where you started. One single cell at conception. And yet that single cell had all the information that your body needed to build all the different parts, to complete all the different functions. And every single cell in your body has been given instructions by God to know exactly what it's supposed to do. Science can't invent that. And so the psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
How does he praise him? <laughs> he just praises him. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, it's just that wonderful work, that overwhelming sense of there's no way we can understand who this God is. We can't even understand all the complexities of a simple person. And yet he loves each one of us, and he's promised to take care of us. And so we have all the reason in the world to praise him and to give him thanks. I mean, we could go on and on taking examples from Scripture of why we should praise him and how we should praise him. Here's just a few, but here's a place to start. These are things that God wants us to think about. And there's more in Scripture. So your homework is find him. Read what he's given us. Secure more reasons why we can praise him, because the Bible's full of them. Our life and our worship as believers should be built around praise and thanksgiving. It's not just one service or one week or one holiday. That's what the life of a believer should be defined by. So I think it's appropriate as we finish our service today, we're going to do just that. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to praise the Lord, to thank him publicly. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That doesn't mean your praise is reserved for home and prayer. It means we should praise him publicly together. And so that's what we do on this, in this praise service. We give you an opportunity to praise the Lord publicly. Before we do that, I'm going to ask the musicians if they would come back up because we're going to sing Count Your Blessings, just a couple of verses, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to share some of the blessings that God has given you. So if you want to turn to 370 in your hymn books, Count your blessings. So we're going to sing the first and the last. I want you to stand with me as we sing and then start thinking about your blessings that God has blessed you with as you sing and then be ready to share those in just a minute. Let's sing the first and the last. Sing. 
Let's have a seat for just a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity to share the blessings that you can thank and praise God for. So I think Brandon has, where did Brandon go? Oh, he's behind me. Okay, there he is. Brandon has a microphone so everybody can hear you. So who would like to start thanking the Lord and praising God? Good morning. I'm privileged I have a hard desire to come here someday corporately and <laughs> this is hard for me, but God's been tugging my heart to do this, that he might get all the glory and praise of what you're doing here in this church. I'd like to share with you how you've touched our lives ever since we came here looking for a place to worship God. When God moved our hearts, Darrell and I had been praying and praying for a church, a corporate place to worship God, that he wanted us, that he knew that we could help love and serve him as well as those in that church. From the very day we stepped into this church, I want to thank you for all your love. There's not a person here that hasn't touched our lives in some way, shape, or form, and that's all God. And we thank you, Lord, praise you for that. The morning we, we were asked to come by Cindy and Greg, Greg as we, and we said, we're going to come up and just see. We prayed, and I said, Lord, you know, if this is where you want us, make it obvious. And oh, boy, did he make it obvious. We came in back here. When we first came in that morning, I stepped through the door, and I, had, I felt God's presence like I had never felt in a long time in a corporate setting, and I said, oh, Lord, I even took a deep breath and said, oh, Lord, what do you, I'm going to thank you. What do you have for us today? But as we came up these steps, and God's moved people's hearts, and that's you people, to greet us and share your love with us and welcome us in this setting. By the time we got here, my heart was so full of God's love the warmth of his love and tenderness, it was overflowing, and I just sat down and I started thinking and praising him. Because I knew this is where God wanted us to be, to serve him and love and serve with you guys in every way. So I just wanted to take a time to tell you that. And God wanted you to know that each and every one of you have a gift, and he's given you. And he is so proud that you are using him faithfully to serve him in every way. And I was also want to share to you, too, God, just after we started coming here, and people that we knew, that we, ha- uh, we had found a new place to worship, a lot of them would say, where are you worshiping at? I said, well, we're at Bunker Hill Community Church. And they'd look at us, or look at me, and they'd say, Oh, that's a nice little church. I say, oh, but you are so wrong. (laughs) From God's view or from the corporate view of this world, yeah, it might be a a small church. But in God's view, this church is huge, and he's using them mightily. And so we look forward, Don and I, to continue to serve and love you all so very much. 
And we just want to thank you and join us thanking God for that privilege. Amen. As I was praying about what to say today, how um, what I'm thankful for God for, well, obviously there's a lot of things, family, friends, his love for us, his salvation. But one thing that came to mind was actually Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I'm so glad that you said something about our church, um, Dave, because God led me to that verse. I am thankful for the unity of believers in this church. We've just gone through a hard time of sorrow with Rick's passing. We do rejoice that he is no longer in pain, that he is with the Lord, but we were unified in our sorrow. We were also unified in our joy. We are also unified, as I saw so many of you come out and pack baskets and pack those boxes for the children. We prayed over these baskets and the boxes. We don't know who they all went to, but we were unified together. And I'm just so thankful for the unity of believers in this church. So praise you, Lord, for this unity. I just want to praise God for his mercy, his forgiveness. Um, I know when I got uh, married to my wife, it felt a little bit like a rescue. Um, <laughs> you know, g- g- um, God's been good in, in forgiving me in, in the sin in my life and in bringing me into this family, into this church family, seeing God work in everyone here to love me the same, even though I'm not perfect, I'm selfish, and... Um, that people can still forgive and love me is is a work of God. And I know each one of you has also received that same mercy and grace. And there's people that love us despite our worst. And they love us, you know, it's crazy that some of the people that know us at our worst can still love you. And um, so that's the work that only God can do. I like to thank God for his faithfulness. Amen. When things aren't going right, sometimes I wonder. And I've learned to look back in my life. I look back to the time when I didn't know Jesus. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And all through my life, there was somebody there, somebody that would match my personality that I could get along with that would bring me just a little closer along the path to coming to know Christ as my Savior. And God has always been faithful in everything. Not always the outcome that I wanted, but it was him being faithful that has brought me the way along that I have come. And I know and I thank him that he's not done yet. Amen. Good morning. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'm very thankful for the church. Cindy and I are, uh, we were sort of church bouncers 
we would go from one church to the other. None of them just never seemed right till we found this one. And uh, I just want to praise God for all you people. You're great. I mean, I feel at home here, and I'm so glad the Victors came here, and especially Ross. He supercharges me periodically. I have a lot of problems that I go and talk to him, and he's just a godson. He's not only a pastor, he's, he's a friend. He's like a brother, but I thank God for Ross Victor, and I just want to say uh, for everybody, and praise the Lord for bringing us all together. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah, we got a couple. Okay. Yes, Danielle and I would just uh, like to praise God and thank Him for the the baby that we're expecting, and um, we just want to thank Him for this church as well um, that it's growing with all the other babies being born, and <laughs> and I second second that Greg with Pastor Ross leading this church. He's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. It's more than one way to grow a church, right? <laughs> I just want to thank God for my wonderful family and my church family. I know that I am extremely blessed to have a godly family. I know that a lot of people don't have that blessing that I have. So I just want to express my gratitude to God that I have such a wonderful church family and family. Amen. Yesterday, uh, Brendan and I delivered a basket to a couple out in the industry. They lost their house in a fire. They lost their daughter, of course, was okay, but they lost four dogs also. I'm thinking they showed us where the house, told us where the house was. We went down and looked at it, but uh, this can happen to any one of us. We can lose everything, but what do we have left? We have God, no matter what. Amen. And I'm thankful for that because it's always something that he is there to help us and help us through these problems. Everything we have can be replaced, but God is there to help us no matter what. Uh, I listen to Word FM when I drive, because I drive for a living uh, part-time. But anyhow, long story short, they had a thing on a segment on the other. I mentioned this Wednesday night at the Bible study. They had a a statistics uh, worldwide. We're here this morning for, say, let's say an hour for our singing and our preaching and having enjoyment with each other, but they said... During that hour, 11 Christians in the world have died from their faith in Jesus Christ. This is sad, but this is the way the world's going now. So we have to be prepared, and we have to thank God and praise him for everything. And I look at these people. I wrote a scripture down here. I was reading this morning. It says Isaiah 26, 19, But those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. Amen. I mean... Uh, I miss my buddy Rick up here. plays with me, and he's gone, but he's in a better place, like Carolyn said. So uh, we have to remember God. Don't take him for granted. When I go out on the road in the morning, I always praise for safety on the road. I praise him when I get home that he give me a safe trip, and uh, we rely on him in every way we can, can't even imagine. I mean, he protects us and helps us. So uh, in the coming days, things that Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. So we have to expect that in one way or another. So we give him the praise and glory no matter what. And I certainly do because I am uh, dependent on him. I know that. 
and uh, I thank for God for my wife that supports me and helps me with things, and uh, I thank him for that. So Amen. that's all. Can I go twice? Um, <laughs> I mean, we have, we're talking about all the blessings here on earth. We haven't even mentioned the next life. I mean, Amen. praise God that he's created, you know, paradise for us afterwards where we can be with him. And he's even going to maybe even give us the opportunity to rule in a sense in his holy, you know, uh, kingdom here on earth, the millennial kingdom. How glorious this is, the hope that we have. Um, when George was saying, you know, yeah, you know, people can lose everything and we have him. And it's true. He's given us so much to look forward to. And uh, it it surpasses everything here on earth. So praise God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Any others? Yes. I don't want the microphone. I just want to thank everybody. Amen. Absolutely. Any others? I just want to say yeah. something. I just uh, want to thank God. Make sure that stays. Um, just that He's an eternal God. Um, we heard a couple testimonies of some changes our church has experienced this year. Think of uh, those that are sick, uh, the Grims that can't come out anymore. And it's just an incredible privilege to be able to get up in the morning and have the energy to come here to worship together. Uh, it's an incredible privilege throughout the week to be able to study the Word of God and, um, and know Him. And so I just praise Him that He's an eternal God. And, you know, He's given us the opportunity to serve Him, uh, not just not to build our own legacy, but that through eternity we can serve Him, not just on this earth but throughout eternity in heaven. So praise him for that. And apparently my son doesn't agree with my, my <laughs> praise here, so I better turn it over to you, Pastor Ross. <laughs> All right. Any others? Right down here. I just wanted to thank him, or actually... Thank Dad for coming to get me, because I am so happy to be home. Um, I am a very big homebody, and it's it's kind of hard to just be away from uh, people that I love, people that I know, and I just wanted to praise God for his patience um, with me, especially with me, because, you know, even though my name is Charity, I am not perfect. I, I have... <laughs> So many struggles. I could pull the laundry list out for you to see. Um, but just going through even the past, like, uh, since we moved here, um, going through all of that process and then going to college just to see how much um, God's taught me through all of that, just to see how great he is, it's just amazing. So... I try not to cry, but I can't help it. Sorry. 
Anything? Anybody else? We don't have to stop. I mean, we can go on all day, right? We should go on all day. Uh, We won't take all day for the service here. All right. Well, we will have other opportunities. You don't have to have a public service in order to praise God, obviously. That's what we talked about this morning. You should praise Him all the time. You know, talk together about the goodness of God, one-on-one in small groups, you know, and even when we come in the congregation, because He truly is a good God, you know. I tell people I became a pastor kicking and screaming because I told God I would never be a pastor And I thank God that he never gives up on people like me. You know, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have the blessing of being with all of you if if I was sovereign in my life. So I just praise God for his sovereignty for all of us because that's why we're here. All right, we're going to close our service. If nobody else has a testimony to share this morning, I'm sure there's more, but that's okay. Um, We will... Sing together. I'm going to ask the musicians again to come up one last time. If you want to take your hymnals, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, Alleluia. Now you may open it and go, hey, there's five verses. Yeah, I know, there's five verses.